0: Hi everybody, I'm Teresa Millies and this is Ninth Arcana, a tarot podcast. Today we're going to talk about the 7 of Wands. 7 is the number of the universe. I did not grow up religious, but I am told by people that the number 7 has significance in Christianity. What I do know is that there are seven notes in a musical scale, and there are seven colors in a rainbow. Everything we experience in the universe is either light or sound. So you can think about that as literal or as metaphysical as you would like to, but I think that seven is the universe. God has entered the chat. God in a purely non-religious way, of course. Wands, as we know, are one of the four suits. It's wands, rods, sticks, wood, all are used. It's inspiration. Think of it like kindling. In the Waitsmith, smith, the wand looks like a stick, but it's got leaves on it to show you that it's not just like a dead branch, it's still alive. It's spark and inspiration, it's an idea, it's a light bulb, it's fire. It's what drives you, what moves you and motivates you. Your wand is your passion. So it stands to reason that the Seven of Wands is about your soul's purpose. Let's see what the cards show. In the Aquarius deck, there is one man alone with a wand in his hand and the others around him on a hill. It looks to me like this man is about to drive the stick into the ground, like staking his claim on a country, which is inherently problematic. Have you guys ever seen Far and Away with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman? In the movie, the Irishman goes to the American West and hops on a horse and rides out into the sunset and claims his land. This is the thing that really happened, and it happened for years. It's the Oklahoma land rush. It happened from 1889 to 1906. The Indian Appropriation Acts essentially took Indian territory out of Native control and set the territory on the path to statehood by opening it to white settlers through land rushes. It first began in 1889, the U.S. government opened unassigned lands to Oklahoma settlers. In the show notes, I'm linking Ancestry.com, you can look at 72 tract books containing details on land ownership in Oklahoma, and a link to the Wikipedia about the Indian Appropriation Act of 1871. I'm reading this from Wikipedia. Wikipedia. According to the Indian Appropriation Act of March 3rd, 1871, no longer was any group of Indians in the United States recognized as an independent nation by the federal government. Congress directed that all Indians should be treated as individuals and legally designated wards of the federal government. Before the bill was enacted, the federal government signed treaties with natives committing the tribes to land cessations in exchange for specific lands designated to Indians for exclusive indigenous use, as well as annual payments in the form of cash, livestock supplies, or services. These treaties, which took much time and effort to finalize, ceased with the passage of the 1871 Indian Appropriation Act, declaring that no Indian nation or tribe would be recognized as an independent nation, tribe, or power within the United States. So basically, the United States said that the Native Americans had no claim to the land and that they were taking it over. Just a little bit of history with your tarot. When this card was being drawn in 1909, there's no way that Waite and Smith were thinking about that. But it's what I see. So now it's what the card is. The thing is that the government told hundreds of thousands of white people that there was a whole bunch of land that they could just have and those people showed up to take their land, what they believed it was theirs ordained by God. It's not complicated. The US government committed genocide. In the minds of the people that showed up to take the land, it was a gift from God and it was their absolute right. So when you pull this card, you can think, who am I railroading, if you're a white person, or how am I being railroaded, if you're not? Or you can think, am I staking claim Or you can think, what am I staking my claim to? Because it's intuitive, Tarot, you can now know that this happened in our history and think about a card from a different deck when you pull it. That's up to you and how you read cards. But you should always think about what land did I win? How did I win it? Or you can think, where am I being dominant? What am I not seeing? Part of the reason I stopped reading cards is because my eyes were finally open to the huge problem of white women and appropriation. The feeling of the right to other cultures and experiences and claiming them as our own. We have a habit of just taking what we want and not seeing who it affects. Take what you need, leave the rest. That's what this card means to me. If the wands means that there is passion and the seven means that it's God given and it's mine, it's my right to this thing. That's manifest destiny. That's not my right to take from anyone around me, to claim things as solely my own. I may have a right to the information because I'm a human, but the land will never be mine. I will always be a visitor. The writer waits the same card, except his face is a little more pained. He's fighting really hard, and he really believes that this land is only his. The green on his tunic means heart. There are some pretty fucking bad people in history... But I don't think that everyday people were bad. They were trying to live and take care of their family. 75% of people were just fighting the good fight, trying to live and take care of the people that they love. And that's the green tunic. They were doing what they had to do and what was available to them. The government, the law, said that this was just fine. In the Morgan Greer, it looks like a lumberjack. He's standing tall, he's ready to defend. This deck came out in 1979. There was a very sort of... Well, as someone who was born in 1982 and didn't come online in consciousness until 1988, I see the 70s as earth tones and beards. I have an appreciation, but I do understand that I have no idea what it actually felt like to live in that time. Pictures I've seen and movies I've seen, have sort of a sepia tone to them. This deck definitely has a sepia tone to the cards. So we have our lumberjack standing tall, ready to defend. This feels less like a fight and more like a worry or an awareness. All of his wands or his rods are safe with him. He has one in his hands and he's ready to use it as a stick to defend. Something about his face looks more like he's defending or he's on guard, then he's an aggressor. Colors are warm, golds, orange, yellow, fire and confidence. It feels like the man in an Old Spice commercial about to bring me a pumpkin spice latte. He's a good dude though. The mythic is a totally different vibe. This is a fight. It looks like they're all from the same family. This is infighting for power. There are seven people all with sticks on fire trying to beat each other everyone's just swinging wildly how far are you willing to go for what you want who are you willing to set on fire they have crowns and they have orange robes no one has the upper hand everyone kind of looks like they have the same right to whatever they're fighting over and the same chances of winning the crowns mean that these people have some sort of old feudal or some old way of power They're in a cave, so it's being hidden from those on the outside. Maybe they don't want everybody else to know how much they hate each other and how much they're fighting, but they're definitely not getting along. So what will result? Will one person win the fight? Will there be like a treaty? Will it be worth it? The wild unknown. We have seven sticks. We have seven wands branches, and ones on fire. This is the card that is closest to what I feel like is the traditional meaning of the card. To find and follow your purpose. What one thing is going to stand out, what's going to light you up? That's where you should be putting your energy. You have to set aside all the other ideas and just work on this one. This is the only one that doesn't feel violent so far. It genuinely asks you to follow your passions. This card is focus. In the line strider, we have a goat on a cliff. Like the fool on the cliff, similar to the waitsmith smith defending the land, the guidebook says that this is a goat, a fox, and a goose. It also says it's about courage, which I can see in the cards, but it's interesting to think that I see bravery as defiance. That's something I might need to journal about later. The card itself says to defend your position and don't let anybody take it away from you. In the Holly Simple, the wands are they're not angry. There is no orange. There is no fury. There is one on top that's obviously the leader, and the six under it are happy to follow. This doesn't feel defensive, and it doesn't feel brave. It feels like leadership. Someone has to be at the front of the line pointing in the direction at which they should go. They don't have to be a tyrant. They don't need to be a dictator. They don't have to have a machine gun forcing people into places. If they have the other six wands' interests in mind, they can be respected and followed happily. This one's leadership. In the Lunar Soul, we're back on the cliff, being forced to fight unseen forces. This woman isn't the aggressor, but she will defend her spot because she doesn't seem to have a choice. She's not angry. She looks kind of nervous. This one says that something is going to try to knock you down. There's unseen forces trying to push you off your cliff. Fight for it. Each of the cards means something different to me. One looks like the mid-1800s in the U.S. One is Game of Thrones. Another is an Old Spice commercial. I like that this this one card can be seen in so many different ways, and each deck has a different artist, and each artist interprets the card meeting in a different way. Then each of us sees it through our lens of our experience, and that's always going to be what I'm preaching. We all see the world in slightly or extremely different ways. Understanding where your blind spots are and where your knowledge lies is the only thing you need to read cards. At its very core, I think this card is about bravery. It's about taking a risk, it's about taking what you need or fighting for what you need or defending what you have. It's about taking a chance on something that you're working towards. It's about getting your idea out in the world. But like the Knight of Swords, you have to think about what you're fighting for and who you might be taking from and what resources you might be hoarding. Next episode, we're going to talk about the Two of Cups. It might be a little less intense. Maybe. You can find me on Instagram. I'm no longer updating my Ninth Arcana Instagram because I had four accounts and it's too much. So follow me on queen.of.marigold where you can DM me and you can also see the cards more closely. Every time I upload an episode, I also post a photo of that card in each of the decks. You can also see that on your show notes. In the show notes, I have links to what I talked about today. And every episode, I if I mention another website, I'm going to link that in the show notes. So you can go there and check those out. I do new cards every Wednesday and Friday. If you have a deck, you should be pulling cards too and seeing what you see. Okay, thanks. Love you. Bye. Ninth Arcana is created, written, produced, and edited by me, Teresa millies Thank you for listening.